Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Unconventional Soldier, a military podcast brought to you by two British Army veterans in association with ISAR.com. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Unconventional Soldier podcast with me, Colin Ferguson. And me, Kev O'Keefe. A huge thank you to Nick Beale, the founder and director of ISAR, who kindly offered to provide the technology and support for the podcasts. Nick is also an X-473 battery veteran and his company delivers bespoke risk, resilience, and security management solutions. There's a link on our Facebook page to his company, isar.com. The podcast is mainly about 473 Special OP Battery, which is the Army's Surveillance and Target Acquisition Patrols Unit and was formed in 1982. We'll cover its formation, its training selection, its deployed operations, and the reserve unit, the Honourable Artillery Company, the HAC. As well as the battery episodes, we aim to discuss with guests as wide a range of topics as possible, such as life outside the army, overcoming adversity, working in the public and the private sector, and hopefully you'll participate in sending ideas for future episodes and be one of our guests. We already have a number of you who have said yes to joining us, and further updates will follow. Finally, we'll inject a bit of culture when we'll review and recommend some of our favourite books and films. And each time a guest comes on, they'll do the same. So we're going to take a short break now. And when we get back, we'll give an overview of how we got involved in STA patrols. Welcome back to the Unconventional Soldier podcast. This is the bit where you get to find out about me and Kev a little bit. So I joined the Army in June 1985. I was 20 years old and I went to Woolwich. Uh, I did my basic signals course there. 
And on completion of training, you had three posting preferences, and I asked for gun regiments, and of course they sent me to Dortmund and West Germany to an air defence regiment. Uh, and I was working on the regimental command post. After about 18 months, I was getting quite bored. There was not a lot of travel, uh, and it was, just wasn't really enjoying it. So I went to the battery office to see about a posting, and the BSM overheard me and uh, took me into his office and said, uh, have you considered the special OPs? Back then, there was not a lot of information out there about special OPs, so the BSM gave me a good breakdown. Basically, seven, ten, seven to ten days initial selection, and then a 16-week course after that. Was was the course then running Dortmund at that time still? Yeah, it was um, well, it was running five regiments just up the road from 12 regiments, so I didn't have far to go. So, I mean, you, you're probably lucky to me then, because I, I, I can find nothing, because I was, I was serving in the UK at the time, and so commander course and para course and all that sort of stuff, there's tons of information. But for the special OP sort of side or the special observer course, absolutely nothing. There was just the one pager that you find uh, for volunteering for stuff, but nobody had any idea. No one I'd known had, had applied or attempted to go for it. So how did you hear about it? Um, it was just by chance. There was a road show going round in the UK. One of the few special OP, troop. special OP troop, which is one of the few times they've ever done it. I didn't and even so I heard did that about at all. It. Say again. I didn't even realise they did that. Yeah, I think it was rarity. I think it was their chance to really educate the UKLF, as it was then the UK Land Forces side. Because if you're not in BAOR, you don't get to hear any of that information. Uh, and so that's how I found out about it and then applied. And all I knew was turn up on this date. I had to have a, a week selection course. This pass or fail, and if I passed, I was then accepted onto continuation training to like phase one and then phase two. But was told at any time I could be RTU'd if I failed a particular phase. Yeah, it's strange because in Dortmund the trip was known, but it was more legend and um, speculation. Yeah. Um, so. Getting the hard facts was quite difficult, and that's when my BSM was pretty good. I mean, he's a good guy. I owe him a lot because he took me out map reading to improve my map reading skills. He gave me time off to go training. So um, but I owe a lot to that guy for A, point me in the right direction, and B, give me time off to train and get ready for it. Yeah, I think that was the advantage of, one, being in BAOR at the time, and two, being in Dortmund, where there was a host of, uh, obviously, uh, gunner regiments, and you've got three, two, and five troop at the same time. So they would have been known a little bit more. But for me, in the UK, not nothing at all. It wasn't even on the radar. They steered you towards the commando course and the, uh, the 7 RHA. So what made you go for it rather than 299 or 7th? Um, I think it was because I didn't know much about it and the concept was still stay behind. And so that sounded quite different. And... Because you don't know much, you, you don't know what you're walking into. And, and the way the course is structured, you didn't know much until, until you got the, further into the course. I think for me, um, when you turn up there, even though it's quite daunting, um, you're treated like an adult from day one. And for me, just being in the Army 18 months, you know, you were given, even on the selection course, you were given quite a lot of responsibility. You are just assumed to have some skills, which yeah, worked yeah. against some people because the BSM had... Uh, give me a bit of a heads up about things. I mean, for example, I turned up and all the maps have been, when they dished out the maps, I had to load a Fablon with me, so I Fabloned all my maps because that was, you know, the BSM gave that sort of heads up. 
And it's, it's quite weird because they're, they're asking, even on the selection course, they're asking for a lot of infantry skills from regimental gunners who don't get to usually do those sort of skill sets. I mean, I, I was fortunate because I, I did two trips out to Hong Kong where I was a part of an OP party in Hong Kong and I, I ended up running my OP party because the food was injured during that phase with the Gurkhas. I'd been a foo uh, or part of an OP party in Belize as well. So I trained as a as a gun number, but I became an OPAC quite quickly as well. So I'd worked in, in those sort of small team environments, which were really, really good. Jungle's brilliant for small team tactics. And regardless of cap badge, you have to become a, you have to be more than a basic infantier to survive in the jungle. And so in a lot of respects then, you, you must have had a, Quite a bit. Would you say you had a bit of an advantage over others because you've been used to you've been in the jungle, you've been to Hong Kong, you've been on OP parties. Did you find that gave you a good grounding when you went on the main selection course? I think it. I think it helped a little bit because you understood small team tactics better. Because even, even inside a company group as a as a OPAC or food party, um, you're still a little bit independent and you're still expected to, especially in those environments, you're expected to operate on your own a lot more. And I did my tour in Northern Ireland as well as a team leader um, and again that's again reinforces small team tactics so I felt that the grounding that the UKLF part provided was probably better than when I did serve because I, I was in 4 or 5 for a while uh, it was a better grounding uh, so how many years did you do before you went on selection? well I joined the army 21st of September 1982 to junior leader regiment Royal Artillery um, and you went to what the trip in what eighty nine? Yeah, so in November eighty three, I joined four five as a gun number. Went straight to exercise. Uh, went to Canada shortly after that. Then we got arms plotted from Hona back to Colchester. As soon as we got back, I went to Hong Kong twice on Fiery Orient. Um, from there, we trained up and went to Belize because our regiment was split between the Belize tours. And supporting Norway as well. So one of the batteries did Norway. Come back in the 86, end of 86 from Belize. Uh, and then we got told that we were going to Northern Ireland in 88. So we started preparing for that as well. Uh, and interspersed with um, UK exercises. Because you were in London Derry just before us, weren't we? Yeah, um, yeah. We, two, we were, two tours, what, what I think, before you. Yeah, because yeah, we went. And actually, that's going to be a, a future podcast with. JD Hogg, who's out there yeah, injured yeah. and uh, yeah. contactable, have him on as a guest in the future. Well, there was no gunners when when I got over to Northern Ireland. We were based in Armagh, and that's when they decided they were switching the company group from Armagh and supporting the UDR. We then got switched over to Londonderry, which became the gunners. Then after us, the next next gunner unit did exactly the same, and then you did the same as well. Um, so we reinforced the companies out there. So each each of us was broken down to a platoon, and one platoon would be attached to the infantry company uh, as they rudimented through the city. So your military CV uh, made mine look. I had basically one line: went to training, posted to Dortmund, and went to Denmark on an exercise where you had Belize. I feel quite uh, inadequate now, mate. I think I should have done a bit more well. preparation before I went on there. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, Belize is Belize was definitely the uh, the bit because 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You've got to learn small team tactics. Even the gun numbers had to learn small team tactics because they'd use them. They they fly a gun on its own to the middle of nowhere to to support um, a company group. Uh, but the OP parties were out all the time with the infantry, and there was still patrols going on as well along the Guatemalan border, which was quite. It made it feel a bit more real. Um, but yeah, the small team tactics was definitely a, a jungle thing, and yeah, admin has to be better. Even, and the equipment's quite basic, but you've, you've you've got to work harder at it as well. You can't get away with it, and you're not relying on vehicles or any of that sort of stuff. When I was in BAOR, I worked on one hundred nines, and on the one hundred nine, everything's under the cabinet as a gun a gun number, and it's all on it's all about the gun, the gun position, and there was very little um, independent tactics as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for somebody, I don't know the experience you had, but when I went there, there's a couple of things struck me. It was just that when the DS turned up, they looked like someone from another planet. All the gear was functional. Um, the belt kit was what they wanted. Um, for example, back in the, those days, you had 58 pattern weapon, which is absolutely useless. Uh, all the DS had M16 pouches, uh, water bottle pouches of all types and descriptions. Not just to look the part, there wasn't about that, it was all about functionality. And I remember after you passed the initial 7 to 10 day selection, first phase, we were taking up the bar and the DS bought us beers. And that was a big thing as well. The fact that you're having a beer with them after that, uh, before you get taken onto the second phase. So when you first turned up, do you have any outstanding memories like that, that sort of stuck with you thinking, no, I'm heading to the right place here? No, I think I turned up on the Friday before it started. We were going to be, Starting on the Monday, so all we were told was this is accommodation, uh, sort your kit out, this is the kit list you're going to need. Um, turn up on, on Monday morning, early o'clock, be good to your armoury, get your weapon, do your BFT, and then you're straight onto the back of the Bedford, straight onto the ground, and then just get you know beasted for a week basically, just to um, physically and mentally beast you until. It worked out if they if they wanted you or not. If you got the if you were trainable, and it was you know in those days it was select out not selecting, you know yeah. it was definitely uh, that sort of model. Interestingly, on I can't remember which podcast episode it is, but we've got Dave Jones on and Ian Strachan. So David Jones was one of the first troop commanders, and he's going to give us sight on a couple of the early training programs. So it'll be interesting to see what the early selections. You know, we're about, and also Ian's going to talk about um, turning up on course one. So hopefully that gives everybody a bit of a flavour uh, about what 
me and Kev, why we ended up in 473. Quite different aspects from air defence and guns. Um, so the last thing we'll do with a guest when he comes on is we're going to do a little thing called Desert Island Dits. Um, we're going to ask them to recommend a book, a film, and a luxury item. So I'm going to start off with my book, and it's a bit of a cheat because the book's out of print now. But it was recently covered on uh, Al Murray's podcast, We Have Ways of Making You Get Talk, and you can go on there and download it. Um, it became that popular on that podcast that copies of the book that are out of print are going to look for three, 400 quid now. So if you've got one of these in your bookshelf, you're going to be laughing. Uh, and the book is The Cauldron by Zeno, and it's a fictional account of a Pathfinder company at Arnhem. It's absolutely a, a really good read, and the author's got a real checkered past as well, because after the war, when he got out, he was convicted of murdering uh, a lover of his uh, wife or girlfriend, I can't remember which, in the end he got him banged up in Wormwood Scrubs for 15 years. So I'll post the links for Al Murray's podcast at the end of this one, uh, it's a great book for listening to when you're out running or uh, driving at work. Kev, what, what book are you looking at? Well, my one was uh, Quarters Safe Out Here by George McDonald Fraser, who gives us um, his experiences during the Second World War fighting the Japanese out in the Far East. And it's a little bit about, you know, it's a bit wider than that because obviously the 14th Army was always felt like they were the forgotten army. They weren't part of the European campaign or the African campaign and the Japanese campaign as, as brutal as it was, they felt they're out there a little bit more on their own. Um, but it's a great story from a, a, a man who was there from the sharp end. Um, and it, it's really well written and brings it home to you how difficult it was in that, in that campaign. And George McDonald Fraser wrote all the, the Flashman books, didn't he? Well, I don't read them sort of books, but you might do, Colin. <laughs> Mr. PC. Yeah, for everybody who's ever read a Flashman book, they'll probably be getting burnt pretty soon because uh, <laughs> they're not the most politically correct. Um, a good companion piece that one Kev's just talked about is um, 18 Platoon by Sidney Jerry. Uh, not as well written as uh, Quartz Safe out here because obviously George MacDonald Fraser was, was a novelist. But again, it's a platoon commander's account of... Uh, Normandy and a campaign through to Germany in 44-45. It's a really great companion piece for both sides there. So films, um, talking to Kev over the last couple of weeks, I got quite nostalgic about the 1980s. So my film has got to be Platoon by Oliver Stone. It was always on in the block back in the late 80s. Um, you get so many quotable lines. It's about a young guy uh, who's middle-class, college-educated, feels he has to do the right thing, and volunteers to go to Vietnam when most people from his background were dodging to get out of it. And when he gets over there, he finds he's serving with all the sort of the the, the uh, less educated white kids, trailer trash, if you like, and also all the black kids that were sent out there. And he's torn between uh, two sergeants, Elias and Barnes. Um, but yeah, most people have probably seen it, but I watched it a couple of months ago and it still stands up. So platoon for me, Kev, what would you pick? Mine is 1957, Paths of Glory, a World War I film with Kurt Douglas in, in the starring role. Um, I really like it. It's, a, it's an anti-war film in some ways, but it's also a, uh, a dig at the hierarchy of the time, the general sitting at the back um, fighting the war with, like, with, with, with the chess pieces, which were the soldiers and some of the, and some of the decisions. And obviously 
on this one it was a, a failed attack and so the French court martial decided that um, or the French hierarchy decided that because there was a cowardice um, streak in that part of the regiment that they would have to shoot some of the uh, soldiers who didn't take the anthill which you'll need to see if you watch the film um, and Kurt Douglas as the colonel of the regiment was defending his soldiers and why they didn't achieve the uh, objective as it was but a really good film even though it's been done in 1957 stands the test of time and in my view much better than 1917 did um did you ever see any battle scenes in it as all courtroom drama no it's battle scenes as well much better like, I, I've seen it once I can't remember what it's like yeah and, and some of it is you, you've got you've got the view down the trenches of walking down the trench, a bit like that shot in 1917. But I think when it was done in 1957, there's no CGI and nothing. It was it was as good as you get. Yeah, see, uh, 1917 really overrated in my eyes. Uh, interestingly, Stanley Kubrick oh, yeah. directed Full yeah. Metal Jacket, probably one of the top three Vietnam films in the 1980s. Yeah, and Stanley Kubrick directed Paths of Glory. There we go. So good stuff. All right, mate. So... Luxury item. Uh, tea is always important to any soldier, and since I've got out of the army, I quite like a bit of loose leaf Assam tea. So if I was taking a luxury item to uh, Desert Island, it'd be some loose leaf Assam tea and a tin, of course, to keep it airtight and fresh. Careful, what would your luxury item be? A decent hammock with an Aussie poncho. Oh, that's two items, mate. Well, they have to go together. All right, okay. Yeah, so, them together. That's the way it is. In the but future. you know, hammock. You can, you know, you just you get a good night's sleep and you stay dry. Yeah, let it go, mate. <laughs> let it go. Okay, so um, that's it for episode one. Podcast two will feature the man behind the creation of the battery, Major General Tony Stone, CB. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and links will be published in the show notes. Kev, do you want to say anything before we finish up? No, no, just uh. Any ideas about episodes, what you'd like to hear um, from guest speakers, you know, if you've got ideas for guest speakers, please let us know and we'll try and arrange it. <laughs>